Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 32 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead. Brother Mead is talking about the uniqueness of the riches of grace. Number two, it is the most substantial gain. The things of this world are more shadow than substance. Pleasure, honor, and profit comprehend all things in this world and therefore are the carnal man's trinity. The Apostle John calls them the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. This, said he, is all that is in the world. And truly, if this is all, all is nothing. For what is pleasure but a dream and conceit? What is honor but fancy and opinion? And what is profit but a thing of naught? Why wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? The things of the world have in them no sound substance. Though foolish carnal men call them substance, but now grace is a substantial good, so our Lord Christ calls it, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, to inherit that which is. Grace is a reality. Other things are but show and fancy. Number three, godliness is the safest gain. The gain of worldly things is always with difficulty, but seldom with safety. The soul is often hazarded in the over-eager pursuit of worldly things. Nay, thousands pawn, lose, and damn their precious souls eternally for a little silver and gold, which are but the dross and garbage of the earth. And what is a man profited to gain the whole world if he loses his own soul? But the gain of godliness is ever with safety to the soul. Nay, the soul is lost and undone without it, and not saved but by the attainment of it. A soul without grace is in a lost and perishing condition. The hazard of eternity is never over with us until the grace of Christ Jesus is sought by us and wrought in us. Number four, godliness is the surest profit. As it is safe, so it is sure. Men make great ventures for the world, but all runs upon uncertainty. Many venture much and wait long, and yet find no return but disappointment. They sow much, and yet reap nothing. But the gain of godliness is sure. To him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. As the things of this world are uncertain in the getting, so they are uncertain in the keeping if men do not unto us, moths may. If robbery does not, rust may. If rust does not, fire may. To which all earthly treasures are incident, as our Lord Christ teaches us. 
Matthew 6.19, Solomon paints the world with wings. Riches make themselves wings and fly as an eagle towards heaven. A man may be as rich as Deves today and yet poor as Lazarus tomorrow. Oh, how uncertain are all worldly things. But now the true treasure of grace is in the heart that can never be lost. It is out of the reach both of rust and robber. He who gets the world gets a good he can never keep, but he who gets grace gets a good he shall never lose. Number five. The profit of godliness lies not only in this world, but in the world to come. All other profit lies in this world only. Riches and honor, etc., are called this world's goods, but the riches of godliness are chiefly in the other world's goods, in the enjoyment of God, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit among saints and angels in glory. Lo, this is the gain of godliness. Such honor have all his saints. Number six, the gain of godliness is a durable and eternal gain. All this world's goods are perishing, perishing pleasures, perishing honors, perishing profits, and perishing comforts. Riches are not forever, said Job. Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? Gregory, upon these words, observed that earthly treasures are treasures of snow. What pains children take to scrape and roll the snow together to make a snowball, which is no sooner done, but the heat of the sun dissolves it and it comes to nothing. Why, the treasures of worldly men are but treasures of snow. When death and judgment come, they melt away and come to nothing. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. You see here the great advantage of godliness. So that if we look at profit, we shall find enough in religion to engage us to be altogether Christians. Second, if we look at comfort, Religion is the most comfortable profession. There are no comforts to be compared to the comforts of grace and godliness. Marks of worldly comfort. Worldly comfort is only outward. It is but skin deep. In the midst of laughter, the heart is sorrowful. But now... The comfort that flows from godliness is an inward comfort, a spiritual joy. Therefore, it is called gladness of heart. Thou hast put gladness in my heart. Other joys smooth the brow, but this fills the breast. Worldly comfort has another spring. The spring of worldly comfort is in the creature in some earthly enjoyment, and therefore, the comfort of worldly men must be mixed and muddy. An unclean fountain cannot send pure water, but spiritual comfort has an upper spring. The comfort that accompanies godliness flows from the manifestations 
of the love of God in Christ, from the workings of the blessed spirit in the heart, which is first a counselor and then a comforter. And therefore, the comforts of the saints must be pure and unmixed comforts, for they flow from a pure, fresh, a pure spring. Worldly comfort is very fading and transitory. The triumphing of the wicked is but short, and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment. Solomon compares it to the crackling of thorns under a pot, which is but a blaze and soon out. So is the comfort of Colonel Hart's. Marks of godly comfort. But now the comfort of godliness is a durable and abiding comfort. Your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man shall take from you. The comfort of godliness is lasting and everlasting. It abides by us in life, in death, and after death. Number one, it abides by us in life. Grace and peace go together. Godliness naturally brings forth comfort and peace. The effect of righteousness shall be peace. It is said of the primitive Christians, they walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost. Every duty done in uprightness and sincerity reflects some comfort upon the soul. In keeping thy commands, there is a great reward, not only for keeping them, but in keeping them. As every flower, so every duty carries sweetness and refreshing with it. Objection. But who is more dejected and disconsolate than saints and believers, whose lives are more uncomfortable? Whose mouths are more filled with complaints than theirs? If a condition of godliness and Christianity is a condition of so much comfort, then why are they thus? Solution. That the people of God are oftentimes without comfort, I grant. They may walk in the dark and have no light, but this is none of the products of godliness. Grace brings forth no such fruit as this. This concludes episode 32 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.